Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, my friend? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're having a great day. We really do appreciate you hanging out with us. And I uh, hope that your, uh, your 2018 is off to a strong start. Hey, we got a great guest for you. Before we get into uh, who we're going to be chatting with, what we're going to be uh, getting into today, I want to remind you, if, if you haven't already, we'd love for you to join us for one of our upcoming free trainings where we are teaching all about how to find and book paid speaking engagements. So if you haven't already, definitely stop by and check out freespeakerworkshop.com. Again, that is freespeakerworkshop.com workshop.com. We'd love for you to join us again for one of those upcoming trainings where we are teaching you step-by-step on exactly how to find and book paid speaking engagements. So you don't want to miss out on that. Again, stop by freespeakerworkshop.com. All right, so today we're chatting with my friend Aaron Gargan, and uh, Aaron is the author of the new book, Digital Persuasion. With Aaron today, we're going to be talking through some really, really practical steps of, of how to send an email, how to send some type of outreach to a potential client, how to connect with them, exactly what to say, all right? This is a really critical piece for finding and booking paid speaking engagements, and Aaron has some great advice. We really get into some tactical nuts and bolts today. I think you're going to get a lot out of today's conversation, so let's get right into it, my friends. Here's my conversation with Miss Erin Gargan. Enjoy. What's up, my friends? Grant Baldwin here. Hey, today I'm joined by Erin Gargan, who's going to be teaching us all about digital persuasion using social media and your internet presence in general, and just making sure that you can uh, you can get your name and your, your presence in front of potential clients and potential decision makers. So Erin, thanks for uh, hanging out with us today. Absolutely, Grant. Thanks for having me. So you do a decent amount of speaking yourself. So why don't you give us a snapshot here of the speaking that you're doing, the audiences that you're working with, what you're teaching and talking about? Yeah, right now I'm really primarily focused on speaking to three different audiences, which like all of us, I got into very accidentally. I run a social media agency for trade shows, conferences, and events. And about two years ago, one of our clients was freaking out a week before their trade show because one of their social media speakers had bailed on them. And I was like, well, I guess I could help you if you want. And they were like, can you speak? I'm like, I don't know. We'll find out. We're going to find out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I did the gig for them and had a couple audience members say, hey, we have this event. Love to have you. What's your fee? And I'm like, you can get paid for this. Holy moly. Same story that we all kind of have. And uh, all of a sudden my world shifted in that moment. You know, my husband would pay to shut me up. So I couldn't believe someone would pay for me to speak. So, so I started speaking accidentally and that was two years ago. Now I'm speaking to primarily sales, marketing, and event professionals on how they can do a better job persuading people to take action from behind the screen. So that's the art of digital persuasion is you know, if you're someone that 
needs to talk with someone, meet with someone, pitch someone, whatever. In today's world, you know, it's very mobile. And so you kind of have to ask for that opportunity from behind the screen. So what do you write? Like in one sentence, how do you get someone to give you a shot and do anything, persuade them to do anything but ignore you? Yeah. So we got a lot we can cover with that. So I'm curious though, as you built your speaking from there, because you're right that a lot of speakers have had a similar experience of, I did one gig or some random thing fell on my lap. I found like I liked it. I was decent at it. I was good at it. I want to do more of it. Yeah. No idea what to do from there. So what, what do you do from that point? You do a gig. Did it go well? Did it not go well? Like, and what do you do from that point? Well, I guess it went well because I had two people reach out and hire me. And, you know, I remember they were like, well, how much do you charge? And so I tried to think of like the biggest amount of money ever just to get crazy. I'm like, you know, I'm like $3,000. And they were like, like, done. And I was like, what? This is crazy. So from there, it just kind of, it's weird because I'm I'm a serial entrepreneur. You know, I've had my first company I started when I was 25 building websites with a girlfriend and sold that business. From there, I raised a bunch of capital and launched a company called PMS.com, okay. which was a dollar shave club for women's tampons. Okay. We, were, we were in Forbes. We had like 20,000 women subscribing to this wow. monthly kit thing. So I sold that. And then I've had Socialite now for eight years. So our eighth birthday is in January, which is insane. Anyway, so I'm a serial entrepreneur. So every single company that I've built, it's been me, blood, sweat, and tears, You know the drama, like payroll on my credit card, you know, had a, we had a bail on a lease one time and I had to cut my staff in half and move everyone in emergency style into my apartment. Like I've had some crazy war stories. And so every business that I've built, it's just been these insane roller coasters. And the weird thing is that this speaking business is the first business that's kind of built itself. And I yeah. didn't even try. And now this has been the one that's been the most fun that has been the most profitable and it's the one that I'm like, I tried the least to start. It just kind of yeah. found me. And so I just feel really grateful that like I even get to do this. I can't even believe this is real life. So yeah. that didn't answer your question, but that's where I am right now. That's all right. That's all right. It's, it's, a, it's a surreal experience. So how much speaking yeah. are you doing today? Are you doing a, a, like just for context sake, are you doing you know a handful of gigs or a bunch of gigs? Yeah. Or what's that look like? Yeah. So I'm speaking about once a week at sales Good. meetings, conferences, trade shows. And then I'm doing about two to three workshops a month. So where they, they kind of bring me in, like last month I did four workshops, this month I'm doing three. I'm leaving on Sunday for one in New York with uh, Siemens Healthcare. So I come and do these workshops. And then I have five consulting clients that I just jump on a call with once a week, help them figure out their businesses, what they're trying to do um, in terms of primarily their sales forces. I mostly work with sales teams, kind of like the social selling space, I guess is mm-hmm. what is the buzzword for it. I call it digital persuasion because... Social selling to me has a kind of a negative connotation because building relationships using social media is kind of like the anti-selling. Yeah. So it's not really selling, it's sort of relationship building and adding value and serving. And so I changed social selling into digital persuasion. When you kind of touched on it there, but I'm curious, like in a speaking on a topic like that, something like sales or something like social media or marketing is a very common, broad, big topics a lot of speakers talk about. So is there anything that you've done to really try to differentiate yourself from a crowded field of other people who speak on that? So uh, I have a social media agency and having that agency, everyone with a Facebook profile thinks they're a social media expert. Right. So we, you know, for the last eight years, we've run campaigns for the Oscars, Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week, 
Nelson Mandela's 95th birthday, wow. Visa, Hitachi, you name it. So we've never really had to do biz dev in the last couple of years because really we've just, the only thing that made us experts is we've just tried more things than anybody else. We've yeah. tried so many things and we've gotten closer and closer by knowing what doesn't work to getting to know what does work. So by just being in the trenches, rolling up the sleeves, I accidentally became this social media expert. So that's how I differentiated myself in that field was just experimenting with so many types of campaigns. Yeah. As a salesperson, I've always been an entrepreneur. So you're always selling yourself, whether it was raising capital for PMS.com, whether it was selling our clients for Jump Digital Media, selling our clients for Socialite on why they should make this jump on these projects. So I've always been in sales. So as far as differentiating myself, I think that what differentiates me in the speaking world is that I've just kind of, I have a lot of stories and experiences. I've actually done a lot of this stuff. So I think not setting out to be a speaker maybe is a differentiator, just talking about what I've learned and being really authentic that, hey, I'm not this polished, perfect speaker. I just share what I've learned and hopefully it can help you. Yeah. And it seems like that just again, outside looking in that, that having the agency and that what you're talking about, what you're sharing, what you're teaching is not, these are some theories. These are some ideas. I read an article last week and here's what it said that I'm just going to, you know, regurgitate to you, the audience, but like, here's some things we are trying with actual real big clients and here's what's working. Here's what's not working. And so it seems like that real world experiment that you've got kind of the laboratory behind the scenes that you can pull from has made a big difference for you. Absolutely. And and that's kind of um, you know, I go, I was I was invited to speak at the National Speaker Association, the Influence Conference yeah. in July. And I got to do two sessions there, one for marketing, one for sales, both related to digital persuasion. And I just felt like the biggest imposter. I'm like, I can't believe I'm sitting here talking to these unbelievable pros, sure. right? And I just sitting in all the other sessions, watching these speakers, they're all so polished, like I mean, real talk, I just look at Kendra Hall, for example, and like, I'm just like, hashtag girl crush, hashtag goals. Like, she's so, <laughs> she was on the speech team in high school. She's so polished. She yeah. takes you on this journey. And I'm just like, so envious of that. That's not me. I'm not this perfect, polished speaker. But I just went there and I was so nervous. I don't really get nervous, but I was really nervous because these are like sure. speakers, right? Yeah. And, and so all I did was before I got on stage, I was like, look, I've learned a lot of things. And if I just go up there and just really want to help them and just share what I know, maybe like this thing will go off okay. And it did. And everyone was so like pumped on it. And they were like, thank you so much. I got invited to speak at all these NSA chapters. I was just in the Dallas chapter and they gave me my first standing ovation. And I got teared up because I'm like, wait, maybe I'm not faking it. Maybe this, maybe I can do this. So it's been really cool. So I'm curious then when you're in a moment like that, where you are seeing other speakers, and I think this is the case with a lot of speakers who at any stage of their career, who are looking to other speakers who feel like they are light years ahead and they have their act together over there. And I'm never going to get to that point. So how do you, whenever you are looking up to these other speakers and admiring them, how do you balance that? Okay, here's something that I can strive for and push for, but at the same time, recognizing that the way they do it may not work for me. And it's not that one is better or worse or or different or, or wrong. It's just, this is how I do it. This is how they do it. And this is what works for each of us. So like, how do you not fall into that comparison game as a speaker? Well, you probably experienced this too, Grant. It's sure. this its this balance of looking at others to be inspired, to learn from the greats, and then also putting blinders on and just doing you. Yeah. And one thing that I can't do is I can't watch other speakers before I take the stage, which is so rude because you're supposed to sit and watch. But right. I, then immediately I'm like, God, they're so good. I don't want right. to. I can't follow that. 
yeah, right. Heck no. Which back to Kendra Hall, I actually, that's how I met her is I had to follow her keynote at a conference in Orlando. And I only caught the last, her closing story. And I just, I was so thankful I didn't watch the whole thing. Cause I don't know <laughs> if I could have taken the stage in front of 400 marketers. I think it's kind of like, if you think about speaking and looking at other people, it's kind of like life. The keeping up with the Joneses thing can suck you in, whether it's how big is your car, how big is your house, who's yeah. skinnier, prettier, richer, hotter, cooler. That's just a life helmet, I think, of just yeah. you know being thankful you get to do what you do, give it your best. And the most important thing is just coming from a place of service because you really can't go wrong and not coming from a place of getting wrapped up in ego, which you know, as speakers, we're constantly promoting ourselves and we're the answer. And so it's tough to not just get too far down that hole of like, you're the Holy Grail. I think the biggest thing that I've done to not compare myself too much to other speakers is to spend some time being a student, spend some time being humble, but then also trying to translate that confidence of, yeah, but I've been through some stuff too. I, I have right. something to share too, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of a hybrid, I guess. Gotcha. Cool. All right, let's dig into digital persuasion. So this is more okay. than just a fancy two word phrase here, but uh, you, got a, you got a book that's now out about this. So give us the nutshell on the book. Yeah. So the book is called Digital Persuasion, Sell Smarter in the Modern Marketplace. And the whole concept is really that, you know, in today's world, we are all getting a lot of messages. So like, for example, how many unread messages do you have right now on your phone in your inbox? Uh, you know what? It's very few. I keep uh, inbox zero. I follow it very closely. But the noise that comes in that I'm filtering out is plenty. Okay, so you're a better person than I am, obviously, <laughs> like straight up. So I right now, I'll show you, I have 220,000 unread messages. How is that even a thing? How do you do that? Like I'll show you, 225,000. Oh, I can validate it, everyone. 299 missed calls or voicemails? So, okay, when you change your, when your title is CEO or founder, you are just shark bait. Like you're, you know, yeah. you're, you're just people are trying to sell me software and finance and accounting and you name it, they want to sell it to me. And I'm not knocking the hustle because I'm sure. selling myself as a speaker to meeting planners. I'm selling my agency to events and, and conferences and, and marketing teams. So I just, the whole thing for me is I'm on a mission to eradicate horrible sales messages from the face of the earth because every moment that I have to waste scrolling by Hi, Aaron. I just want to touch base. I want to see if you're interested. I want to see if you had time. Really, 99% of the messages that I get are the exact same. Yeah. And I'm not as good as you. I scroll by and I just ignore them. And I'm thinking to myself, this person's wasting my time. They're wasting their time away from their family and doing things that they yeah. want to do, copying and pasting these horrendous sales messages that are not getting my attention. Yeah. There's got to be a better way to do this. And so what I realized, I started doing some research and I came across this crazy study from the Harvard Business Review. And what they found was that we are a lot more persuasive face-to-face -face than from behind a screen, which is not that shocking. Sure. But how many times more persuasive do you think we are in person versus behind the screen? Oh, I'm going to get this wrong. I, my answer would be a bunch, I would think, but I don't know how much. What do you think? Like, like 10 times? Yes, 10 times. I'm going to go with. I'll take the bait. Grant. 34 times more persuasive really? in person than behind the screen. It takes 200 digital asks to equal the power and the efficacy of just six in-person conversations. Wow. So this is a big deal yeah. because we're spending 10 hours a day 
all in behind screens. Most of our life, you know, aside from video conferencing, which thank God for video conferencing, you know, whether it's most of our stuff is still messaging, it's LinkedIn outreach, it's email, it's texting, it's emoticons, right? right? So my whole thing is how do we use digital and use social to open dialogue, to open a FaceTime, to open a meeting, to open a phone call, to open something where we can be our most persuasive selves? And the answer is to master the preview. Because there is mad power in that preview, that one sentence, 10 words, okay. where someone decides to scroll by or open and give you a shot. And so my book talks all about what do you write in 10 words that's going to get someone to give you a chance. Okay. I'm intrigued. Tell, tell <laughs> us more. We got we to gotta know more. Because the reality is, is like, especially for speakers, is and we were talking a little bit about this offline, that as speakers, there are a lot of speakers. And we could all do a great job for XYZ client. And we could all mm-hmm. show up and, and deliver, right? But there's going to be little differentiating things. So trying to stand out from the crowd and show a decision maker that I'm not just another version of vanilla that we all offer, but here's how it's it's radically different. And here's why you should hire me is really tough for speakers. So yeah, I'm I'm super intrigued. And so you mentioned the preview. So what, what like take us through that? What do you what do you mean by that? Okay, so. I did an analysis for my book of over a thousand incoming sales messages, both from my inbox and then also the inboxes of my executive clients. And what I found was that 90% of all cold messages start with the same word. After they say, hey, Grant, hope you had a great weekend, which they don't care if you had a great weekend. They don't even know you, right? So, And by the time you say, hey, Grant, hope you had a great weekend, by the way, you just blew that entire opportunity to get to be different, right? Immediately, you're like everyone else. What do you think is the first word after that that people use? I'm going to guess I. It's I. They start, they literally leave with themselves. So not only have you wasted the entire preview being like everybody else, but now you're talking about yourself from someone that doesn't even know you. They don't care about you. And you're starting off on the wrong foot. So whether you're a speaker or a salesperson, whatever you're trying to do, we're all in the same bucket. Okay. So there's a chapter in my book that's all about less I, more why do they care? more why, more what's in it for them. And so even what you just said is, how do we differentiate ourselves as speakers? How do we stand out and be different? The answer is, is that you are different by not focusing on you, not shouting about yourself, not selling yourself. You want to attract someone to check you out. Be cool, man. You lead with them. Okay. You start with them. And so I have this method in my book. It's called the pub method. And PUB stands for P-U-B, personal, useful, and brief. So personal is not personal about you. It's not Grant Baldwin is, you know, the, the country's leading guy when it comes to uncovering entrepreneurial, blah, 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 blah. It's not about you. Right. You want to lead with them because everyone is so busy. And all they know is their brain in 2.5 seconds is trying to understand what you need from them and what's in it for them. Right, right. So if you can leave us something personal about them, now you're different. Now you've even passed the first test of getting opened because most emails and messages and outbound reach is not even opened unless Mm. you know somebody, right? So step one is just get them to open. And the way you do is by leading with something personal about them. So for example, let's say that Grant, you're a meeting planner and I want to get your attention. I would go and I would stalk you on social media. I would find out the events you're planning, events you've gone to, who your speakers were last year, what you cared about. I maybe go creep on your Instagram and see if it's open and that you're in Nashville and did you go to Vanderbilt and do you like Whiskey Kitchen or Virago? I would try to find a commonality. Food 
education, kids, hobbies, people that you know, events. There's so much that you can uncover that you can lead with. So you lead with with a proper noun of personal significance, not about you, about your recipient. So for you, if I was trying to get your, your attention, for example, I know you live in Nashville. I know you have three kids. I know you have a podcast. I know you used to be a pastor. I know all these things from Googling you for five minutes before getting on this Zoom call. Yeah. I would lead. I wouldn't say, hi, Grant. How was your weekend? Because you're wasting the characters. You just jump right into it. Okay. Yeah. Don't waste time because people are busy. I would lead with something like Nashville, question mark. Heard honky tonks are a blast or something like that. Or, or Nashville, three kids raising them in the deep South or, you know, Nashville. And I mentioned someone we have in common, I, something about you. I just lead with that because my only goal is to get you to stop scrolling and open me. That's yeah. the only thing you need to do. So you're so referring to like yeah. all of this in the context of the subject line. Subject line and then the preview on a mobile device. So okay. whether it's okay. a LinkedIn request, an email, anything. So does that make sense? So that's kind of yep. where you start. So that's the first thing. Okay. Is because I think as, as speakers, a lot of times we're reaching out to meeting planners and we're just showing up and throwing up. I mean, I, I yeah. can show you same, it's the great wall of text, right? Yeah. I'm the award winning, you know, me, 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 me. And so if you don't stand out, not even forget what you're even writing, you're just like everyone's writing the same shouty about them thing. Yeah. So you're not even getting a chance. You're not even, it's like you gotta you, you need to convince them in that first sentence to even give you a chance before yeah. you even can pitch who you are. So to be devil's advocate here, yeah. if for, for someone to go in and do the the research on that, even though, again, it may just be, I'm just looking for one little connection. You know, we like yeah. the same sports team. We like the same food, whatever it yeah. may be. Oh, but Aaron, that requires work. And it's just a lot easier just to either, you know, spray and pray or just to sit back and hope they magically find me. And I got to go di- and I can't find any connection. And I like dogs and they like cats. And so what like, what do you say to that, to that speaker who's just like, well, it's hard though, Aaron. Right, right. Okay. So, so here's the thing. So it's the same thing as people who are like, gosh, I just, I can't lose 10 pounds. It's like, you know, I just don't know what to do. It's like, it's like, you know what to do more vegetables, more sweating. It's not hard. Like get on the treadmill, run and like work in some water and you'll lose weight. People know what to do. They just don't feel like doing it. And so, and so we'll spray and pray work, quote unquote, you will probably get between one and 3% of people who don't know you to open a message that you blast at people. Yeah. So if you want to spend your time in an infusion soft world, just either copying and pasting or blasting people with messages, if you want to be part of that, what I think is, is a big problem in terms of wasting people's life and their time on the other end, because you don't, why would you send a message that you don't want to get yourself? Right. So if you want to be part of that world and you think that by getting a 99 to 97% rejection rate is working for you, right. then do you do it. I'm not saying don't do it. Right. However, if you want to build real lasting relationships and you want to go for quality over quantity, then this is more of an approach you want to take. And in the modern marketplace, especially with millennials, with Gen Xers and social media, selling is just, it's cheesy. It's old school. It's more about attracting people to you. And it does take more time, but you know, I've worked with a lot of sales teams. I've worked with, you know, Visa, Hitachi, Siemens. And what we've found is that when sales reps take this approach, they are getting a 60% higher response rate 
while spending half the amount of time on outreach. So it's working smarter, not harder. That's why the book's called Selling Smarter. So yeah, you roll up your sleeves and you you spend an hour maybe sending 10 messages, but six people are going to check out your profile. They're going to open your message. They're going to respond to you. They're going to lean in versus you spend that same amount of time and you might get maybe one. Right. So it's just up to you how you want to spend your life. I mean, I'm, I like to do cool. I like to surf. I like to mountain bike. I like to snowboard. I like to hang out with my family and friends and, you know, do cool stuff. I don't want to waste my life copying and pasting and bugging people. It's just, it's not in it for me. And so it's just a choice you need to make. How do you want to run your business? You know, yeah, so and, I, you. and from like a recipient standpoint, I think like we can all tell the difference between like, this was written to me and a hundred other people and just copy and paste it and mass sent to people versus like, whoa, 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 like this is to me, like they wrote this specifically to me and you can tell a huge difference. And I would agree that the, the engagement, the response level is significantly higher than when, when Mm -hmm. people do that. So you get the P the, the personal side, what comes next? The U. So next is useful. So this is where we offer something. We're tapping into Dr. Cialdini's classic book, Persuasion, The Reciprocity Principle. You scratch my back, I scratch yours. It is ingrained into our DNA. So what you do is instead of asking for something from someone that you don't know, that doesn't care about you, you offer something. So for example, like one thing you can offer is you can offer an idea for their conference. You can offer a suggestion. You can offer to make an introduction to someone. You can make offer to make an introduction to another speaker that might make sense to them, which totally surprises them because now they're thinking, why is this person helping me out? Who is the like Grant Baldwin just hooked me up with an article, an idea, a recommendation, an introduction. Who is this Grant dude? Now you've piqued their interest. So what are they going to do? They're going to check you out and they're going to see that, huh, you're a speaker and you speak on cool things. And is that your speaker real? Well, I'll give it a quick little look. What a nice guy. They want to check you out. They want to they wanna reinvest because they're so curious. Well, what does this person want? Why would they just help me for no reason? Yeah. So you pique that curiosity. One thing that I'm doing right now as a reciprocity component is James Taylor, who is a great keynote speaker on creativity and artificial intelligence. He and I are running an online summit called the Event Professional Summit. Mm-hmm. And we are interviewing meeting planners and event professionals. And we're asking them all kinds of questions about attendee acquisition, creating more immersive experiences, bumping up ROI. And we're just talking about what they want to learn about. And it's creating all these ideas for them and their people. And so now this is useful to them. And so we're not shouting like, I'm a speaker, I'm amazing, hire me. We're just creating value and we're offering something useful. So it makes them want to check us out back. So in the sentence, after you start with personal, then you move into offering something. The last piece is brief. This is the part that's hardest for speakers because as speakers, as I'm going on this tangent, we are paid to not be brief, right? We're paid to be talkers. So the show up and throw up is a lot easier than being brief. So what I'll do is I will literally just lead with something about them. I'll offer them something interesting. And then I'll just say something like, cheers, Aaron. I'll just peace out. I literally won't ask for anything. And I get a 74% return rate in, in, in the form of someone checking out my profile. A meeting planner will always look at my profile like, who is this person? They will write back thanks. They will at least click it and open it. So it's just, it's a completely different mentality of show up, say who you are, make the ask. Because the problem is that worked for a long time. But then when everyone's doing it, yeah. it loses its efficacy. 
Yeah, it gets really, really noisy. And even to your point there that the saying without having some type of like call to action, which we feel like we need, we need to tell them, go check out my website, go check out this latest blog post, go check out my video. Here's, you know, here's the 19 things that I speak about. Here's a bunch of testimonials. We feel like we need to give those things to people, but you're exactly right that people are inquisitive that when someone, if I get the email that you described, I'm looking at well, who is this from? From AaronGargan.com. Okay, let's just yeah. check her site out. Who is this person? What do they do? Like, you don't have to tell them, here's your next logical steps to learn about me. Like, they are an adult. They can figure that out. Right. Like, people will say things like, let me know, or just let me know. But people know how it works. They know how the email <laughs> thing works, right? And so just be cool. I mean, so the, the, the call to action thing, first of all, I don't know about you, but as soon as someone tells me what to do, I want to do the opposite. We don't like being told what to do. And so for a long time, when we were a lean back society, before social, before mobile, before internet, we were leaning back and interruption-based advertising, buy now, call now, that worked really well because there was no other way for them to discover you than unless, you know, TV, radio, interruption-based messaging. But now we're not really leaning back anymore. We're more of a lean in society. We're searching, we're Googling, we're choosing an adventure. So if you interest us, we'll lean in and check you out. Especially millennials and Gen Xers, they are experts at tuning out advertising, tuning out calls to action. If you are interesting and helpful and personal, people like you and they're curious They'll lean in. And if you have your footprint sorted out and you look like you have your shit together, they're going to reach out. So it's more about attracting. It's more about pulling people in than pushing yourself on them. So on the brief point, are we saying like for an email, it should be what less than 50 words? Typically, I try to keep an email to two or three sentences max because the goal of the email is not... The thing is we're trying to do too much in one message. We're trying to get their attention, trying to get them to open it trying to get them to understand who you are and making an ask of them. They don't even know you. It's like, that's like going, being at a bar and and trying to like get someone to marry you. And you haven't even talked for a second, like pump the brakes and let's try to even just get them interested. So the goal of a message is just to get them to lean in and be curious. That's it. And then you want to bring them into this relationship. And, and as we all know, I mean, relationships, whether it's a meeting planner or another speaker. I don't know about you, but most of my gigs are from a meeting planner recommending me, a friend recommending me. You know, deepening these networks is business of the future. It is the way we are all going to improve relationships to improve revenue. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I always tell our speakers we work with is that speaking is a relationship business and relationships take time. So it's, could you send a bunch of emails and have someone say, hey, Today, this moment, we just happen to be looking for a speaker and you land a gig. It could happen, but for most of the time, it's just getting on someone's radar so that at the point when they get ready to to start reviewing speakers, hey, I remember Erin, we she sent me some emails, you know, several months ago. And it's just trying to stay top of mind with them so that when they're ready to make a decision, you're you're there. That's exactly right. And there's also a lost opportunity cost. So think about all those people you're just talking about. Like those, let's say 97% of people that are like, uh, another speaker, right? And then they scroll by. The challenge is that now we have these digital footprints following us around. So for example, there's this one sales rep that's trying to sell me this social media software, which they try to sell me all day, right? And this guy has reached out to me now. I just got another message from him yesterday. And the thing is, it's not like in the old days where let's say you cold called someone, you could maybe get hung up on, you call back a couple weeks later, they don't know it's you, right? But now I can see that this guy, I can see that he's messaged me now six times in my inbox without me responding once. So now I'm reaching out to a CEO like, 
dude, do you know what your sales team is doing? They're harassing people. And, and it's, you know, people talk about like cyberbullying. There's also buyer bullying, you know, mm. follow up, follow up. No, do a good job because if you blow the opportunity with these people, like think of all the people that could be this incredible relationship or that you might learn from or connect with or hit it off with or that could hire you. But now you just blew all those people that are not going to pay attention to you because they're going to recognize your name as someone who's just one of those salesy speakers. Right, right. Now, So what do you do? Okay, so you send that initial email and then basically one of two things happens. Either they get it and they reply and it's and maybe it's just something like, thanks or got it or whatever, you know, or they got it and they didn't reply. They, they didn't do you follow up. What should that next, should there be any type of next action or I, I send it out there and then like what, what happens from that point? Okay. So this is where social media comes into play. So it depends on what industry you're speaking to. If you are in art, fashion, design, retail, you're probably hanging out on Pinterest, maybe Instagram. If you are talking to real estate, finance, technology, you're probably hanging out on LinkedIn. If you're in the media space, if you are in sports, celebrities, you're probably on Twitter. If your demographic skews slightly older, and maybe it's more of the the uh, direct sales marketing, like the Arbons and, and um, the Rodan and Fields type people, that's probably more of like your Facebook world. So wherever your fish are hanging out, you need to identify what platform, what community to be a part of. And then what that means, like for me, most of my audiences are technology, finance, retail, healthcare. So I'm hanging out a lot on LinkedIn. So now that I've made this connection with this person and and I have this relationship with them, I am systematically sharing articles with them of interest. I'm updating my feed with thought leadership. I'm giving to ultimately get. I'm giving to help them to be a nice person, but I also am hoping that with my communication, whether it's updating my status, sending them articles, that I'm able to pull them in. And like you said earlier, it's about being top of mind. If they see helpful, interesting things from me in their newsfeed, which you know this with running your podcast, this is how people are attracted and drawn to you. And you don't have to be knocking on doors. You know, rejection doesn't have to be part of the gig. It really doesn't. Right, right. Should you follow up in any way or should you just assume that, okay, I put my proper digital footprint out there in terms of not just social, but even just your own website, your demo video, your resources, your materials are out there. So should there be any type of follow-up process that you use to stay top of mind? Or is it just kind of like, I'm hoping I'm going to get on the radar and I'm hoping everything else that's out there does its part? So it's a combination. So it's a push and pull. So so the way I approach it is I try to touch a list of meeting planners that I have in Sales Navigator, which I upgraded my account, which I recommend people do. Maybe you use Salesforce Essentials. Maybe you use whatever kind of CRM. And I try to send something very specifically helpful to each one of those meeting planners at least once a month. And so what has happened for me is I'm also tracking when their events are. And so once you've kind of built the relationship, usually I'll touch them very helpfully three to five times. And then now I kind of feel like if they're liking my posts, if they're opening my emails, you can see if they look at your profile. So now I can see that they're kind of interested. So now I've sort of earned the right to make an ask. And so what I will do is I will then reach out with an email, very short, because all that beautiful white space is so appreciated. Like we hate reading. Like people are, I don't know about you, but I'm like, 
I love a good emoticon text conversation. Like my brain, I can't read anymore. There's so much copy and we're just like, oh, you know, show me pictures. You know, I want a picture book. So I'll reach out with a very short email and say, hey, I've really enjoyed connecting with you on LinkedIn. I've enjoyed sharing some thought leadership with you. Love to get to know you and understand more about the events you're working on, what you do, what you're about, and explore and see kind of how we might be able to help each other. Are you open for a Skype call, 30 minutes, next Thursday, 10 a.m. PST? The key here is to make it yes or no, because this is kind of the, this is the magic grant. So we go from super chill, super cool, just like building a relationship, but then you want to go to very direct yes or no, black or white. Because what you want to do is make it so easy for them to say yes. Where a lot of speakers and salespeople go wrong is they say something like, maybe we can hang out sometime or talk sometime. and Let me know what you think. Yeah, or or like, do you have any time next week? Like, it's it's too much work. I don't feel looking at my schedule. I don't feel like figuring it out for you. We're just too busy. So if you can make it really easy for them to say yes, then now you've started to kind of get that conversation going. Then I'll hop on a Skype call with them and I'll ask them questions about their events, what they're working on, speakers they've worked with in the past that they enjoyed. And then it just kind of builds. They're going to say, you know, it's funny. I see you speak on digital persuasion. I had this event, a friend of mine is running. You might be a great fit. It's like, "Ah, would I be? (laughs) What what are the odds? (laughs) If you insist, I mean, I'll like check it out, I guess. You know, (laughs) like... But it's so again, so much of it though is relationships, and people do relationships with people they know, like, and trust. And relationships yeah. do take time. And so I found that speaking is very much a momentum business as well. And that the the longer you're in it, the more events that you're speaking at, the more you're building that network of relationships with event planners, with attendees, with other speakers. The easier it is to build the business. It just takes time, and it's just hard work. Like you said, with like the example of losing ten pounds, like we all know what we're supposed to do but it's just hard work and that that cupcake looks a lot good, really good. And it's a lot easier to sit on the couch instead (laughs) of doing something. So these things that you've kind of laid out here, they're really simple, practical things. It's just a matter of actually, actually taking action and and doing them. Agreed. Well said. Yeah. I think people know what to do. They just don't feel like doing it. And it's funny, kind of like losing 10 pounds, you know, the first couple of weeks, you know, two or three weeks going to the gym, you just like want to kill yourself. You're like, Oh God, this is horrible. But then if you push through those two or three weeks, all of a sudden, week four rolls around and you wake up and you kind of have that feeling like you kind of want to go for a run, which is weird. And (laughs) this is kind of similar, you know, because if you look at it as building relationships, it becomes, and it doesn't sound like it, but it starts to become kind of fun. And, and whether they hire you directly or they refer you to someone, or you just make a really interesting new relationship or you could hook up one of your buddies with a gig. It's just a more, for me, I think, it's a more fun way to operate. Yeah. And it feels less like work and more of just like living and building and and engaging with people, you know? Yeah, very much so. Well, we've just scratched the surface here. So Digital Persuasion is out now, I assume at Amazon and anywhere books are sold. And so uh, we'll it. encourage people to go check that out. We'll be sure and link up to that in the uh, the show notes as well. So in the meantime, if people want to find out more about you and what you're up to, Aaron, where, where can we go? I'm on Twitter at Erin Gargan, E-R-I-N-G-A-R-G-A-N. And also my website is the same thing, www.erangargan.com. Awesome. Erin, thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Thanks, Grant. 
All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Erin. Again, I'd encourage you to check out her new book, Digital Persuasion. Also, stop by and check out her website up at erinngargan.com. Again, that's Aaron Gargan, E-R-I-N-G-R-A-A-R-G-A-N. Let's try that again, E-R-I-N-G-A-R-G-A-N. There we go. Nailed it. Nailed it. AaronGargan.com. And uh, again, really, really good stuff there on, on exactly how to send that that email, that outreach, any type of, of, of outbound connection that you want to be making with a potential client, then uh, definitely encourage you to check out her new book, Digital Persuasion. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome. Oh,